0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would take each part of this service and be honored and glorified in it. guide and direct. Bless our missionary visitor tonight and his family. And Lord, we pray our church would be a blessing to them in return. Lord, we just ask that you would do your work in each of our heart and lives, that this time would be profitable for our service for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. to the book of Revelation, and I'm going to try to finish up what we didn't get finished last week. And um, the Rogers family, I think I said, are just sent out from their local church to the world abroad. That's the way missions ought to be accomplished. Sometimes uh, a missions board can uh, be a helpful thing. Other times it's just not necessary. If it's not necessary, don't use it. And uh, uh, we want to uh, serve the Lord and one of the greatest ways that we can do that is by supporting missionaries and more missionaries as the Lord gives us ability. Let's take our Bibles once again. Revelation chapter 2. And uh, let's just start in verse 12 and we'll read down through here. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast there also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent. Repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And again, we talked last week about how that this letter here is one of the more cryptic of the letters it has more phrases in it that we really have uh, very little idea uh... what exactly is being meant uh... by that uh... it would be nice if somebody had found a book that said the doctrine of the nicolaitans and then we would know exactly what the nicolaitans believe but nobody's found that manuscript yet uh it's interesting, everybody says, you read in all the commentaries, the Nicolaitans and the Balaamites, or those that followed the doctrine of Balaam, are related. Now, if they were related, if they were just two different names of the same group, why are they listed differently in your Bible? And by the way, those two words are in your Greek text, if you want to look there. I mean, we just have a translation in English of what is in Greek, and those words are in there. It was interesting. I don't claim to be a Greek scholar and honestly have very little intentions of ever becoming one. Uh, We'll see. Maybe when all the work is done, I'll I'll try that. I would much rather learn Hebrew than I would Greek. Uh, But that's just me personally but it's interesting to read what these quote-unquote scholars say. And they say, this verb here doesn't work quite well in the text. It doesn't make the text very easy to understand. And uh, I don't know what verb he's talking about because it's pretty plain to me. How about to you? I mean, Jesus is talking to his church. And he's commending them on the fact that they have remained faithful They have not denied his name, they have not denied his faith, and they hold fast the name of Jesus. We have talked last week that where Satan dwelleth is just the simplest and most biblical understanding. Of course, you can't find it written in any commentary, is that Pergamos was just a place where Satan liked to take a vacation. He liked to visit there. When he had nothing else to do, that's where he went. If evil was so pervasive, it had full sway, even to the point to where Antipas was murdered by the people of that town openly and without any, uh, uh, any retribution or any restriction of activity, it was just that kind of place. And yet the thing that is amazing is Jesus does not make excuses For his church even though they had all of this persecution I mean sometimes we think we're persecuted because people think we're weird that is not persecution there was blood of the Christian at least one in the streets of this city and his only crime was that he wanted to serve the Lord Jesus Christ But Jesus doesn't say, even though you've suffered all these things, I'm going to make an excuse for you. He says, I have somewhat against thee. I have a few things against thee. Now, let me tell you, if Jesus has one thing against you, you are in deep trouble. How many sins does it take to go to hell? That many. It just takes one. Now, he's talking to his church. And praise God, the gates of hell have never prevailed against Jesus' church. Not one person that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ has ever lost their salvation. And the devil has never snuffed out the testimony of Jesus Christ it has been there from Matthew chapter 16 right up to the present day now if you want to get out your genealogical chart be my guest but the Bible says to avoid such things if it was pure in the New Testament and it's pure today I'll trust God for the history amen I'll just trust him that there's something in between. And the, this church had problems. Let me ask you, Does churches, do churches have problems today? And we started into this doctrine of Balaam. And, and I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that we missed last week. The idea of casting this stumbling block before Israel. If you remember the story of Balaam, and this is why you need to be here on Sunday mornings for our Sunday school time. As we go through the stories of the Bible, you'll be familiar with the details. Balak, I mean, uh, yeah, Balak, king of Moab, son of Zippor, had called Balaam in to curse Israel. And Balaam said, can I go, God? Now, this is an amazing thing to me, is Balaam was talking to the God of heaven. And God said, no, you're not to go. And Balaam said, no, I'm not going to go. And Balak sent more princes and more powerful princes and richer princes. And they said, will you come with us? And he went and said, God, can I go? And God said, no. And so Balaam went and said, I can't go with you. They came back a third time. Now, who changed their mind, Balaam or God? Didn't God tell Balaam, go? Read the text. He said, go with him, just speak what I tell you to speak. Had God changed his mind? I think the donkey took care of that. God had not changed his mind. Why did God say yes the third time? You know what? God will let you have your way if you want it bad enough. Be careful how you pray. Because there's a couple of things that happen in the lives of people. How many of you have ever really been called on the carpet for something? I mean, you were, you were getting dressed down for some things that you did wrong. Anybody remember that? Now, where are my kids? Come on. There we go. Up and down. Yes. That's the job of a father. Now, listen. What is the first thing that you do when you're the one getting dressed down? Well, I know I did this wrong, but I did this right, and I did this right, and I did this right, and I did this right. And and you're going to get me for this one little thing that I did wrong. Anybody else ever been there? Don't look at me that way. We've all tried that at one time or another. Jesus didn't let his church off just because they were under persecution, just because somebody had died. Because this thing of having the doctrine of Balaam in the church is important. It is destructive. You see, Balaam knew he couldn't curse Israel, but what he could not do By himself and with his own mouth, he tricked Israel into doing to themselves. Do you see the difference? You see, there's a lot of rotten things that have happened by people who are in churches. And some of it is just by accident. But Balaam was not by accident. It was on purpose, my friend. And one of the hardest things being a preacher to preach about is to keep your eyes and ears open for those who would come into our midst and pretend to be one of us for the purpose of subverting members of our church. Doctrine of Baal. We've had it happen more than once. I remember several people in our church, and this is what it means, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I had several people come up to me over a period of time and said, Pastor, did you know so-and-so invited me to go to a different kind of church and told me that, Reformed theology was just as good and don't believe pastor when he talks down about Calvinism. It's really not what he says it is. How many of you remember that? And I said, whoa, wait a minute. This happens once. Maybe it was an accident. Happens two or three times. Hey, we've got a Balaamite in our midst. I found him ran into him by accident. I believe the Holy Spirit had something to do with that. It was in the post office. Hey you, he turned around. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I can be pretty mean when I need to be. And I said, "You're not going to use our church as a basis to invite people to other churches that teach contrary doctrine. I said, you're welcome to visit the services and to listen, but if you want to do that, I said, next time it happens, I'm going to call your name from the pulpit, and I'm going to embarrass you as publicly and as completely as I can, and if you insist on doing it, I'm going to throw you out of the building if I have to do it with my own hands. He believed me. You see, if you let that stuff go on in the church, now believe me, now people laugh when they say this, when I say this, I don't like confrontation. Yeah, go ahead and laugh at me. Say, you love it and you know it. No, I don't because I want people to do right. Amen? But when someone makes up their mind that they're not going to do it, we as a church, and and believe it or not, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be bringing in a list. And and we're going to have to go down through the list. And we're going to have to Remove people from our membership. I'm the world's worst record keeper. I I don't like being church secretary. But we've we've got to take care of some business here. Because, not because everyone on the list is a Balaamite. Make sure that's on the tape. Uh, We're not accusing people of anything. But if you're going to be a part of the church, guess what you got to do, number one? Show up. Amen. I never have quite figured this thing out. Do you want to be a member of the church? I want to be involved. I want to be a part of everything that's going on. By the way, Pastor, I'll be, I'll be back in uh, three three weeks. Okay? If I can't know that you're going to be here, I can't put you on the worker schedule. Amen? It, it's just part of what goes on. But these Balaamites come in, They want to be a part. Let me ask you a question. Did Balaam talk to the God of the Bible? Yes, he did. Did the God of the Bible talk to Balaam and give him direction? Yes, he did. Was Balaam saved? No, he wasn't. You say, Pastor, isn't that a little confusing? Yeah? But let me tell you, it won't be long before that person who is not saved, who is teaching wrong things, is going to be made manifest. That's why each of us, as members of Open Door Bible Baptist Church, guess what we ought to do? We need to check out our salvation. Amen. We need to make sure that it's working. That's what it means work out your own salvation. Make sure it's running. How many of you know what happens to a car engine when you leave it set for six months and don't start it up and don't touch it and don't do anything to it? Chances are it's not going to start. In fact, it may never start again depending on how well you took care of it. And we have people who run out of their Salvation, and they really believe at one time they were saved and they lose it. Now this is going to sound a little strange, but this is why you got to keep coming to church. Because you can be deceived and you can deceive yourself. But we go back to the introduction to this church, and it's he that holdeth the sword that hath two edges. Amen? It is the word of God that will slice down through the layers and will convict you and make you understand what it means to be truly saved. How many of you had to spend a little bit of time fighting with that since you got saved? Almost every hand here. You see, that's what church is about. But here's where Balaam comes in. is he gets a hold of those people who are in that process, and he rolls that stumbling block in their way. He tricked Israel into disobedience. There are people, and we've had to do a lot of work over the last few years, there are people who become members of churches so that they can have access to children to commit evil. That's why our church usher checks things, every service. That's why we're very careful about who we put where and when. And how, because doctrine of Balaam, what did they do? They committed fornication, immorality. Immorality. And we also have this exposure to false worship. How many of you remember Brother Carson Hall when he was here years ago? He put the cup of water on the platform. Uh, Those who were here remember that. And he reaches down into his pocket and pulls out pocket lint and a couple of coins and stuff and drops it down in the water and and then he offers it to everybody. How many people want to drink now? No, no, you don't want to drink that stuff. Well, how much dirt does it make? How much pollution does it take to make your worship unacceptable to the God of heaven? And when you offer worship to God that is not acceptable to God, what is it? Abomination. It's an insult. It's an offense. Do you think Balaam understood this? Yes, that's why he told Balak to get your prettiest girls and send them over there to invite uh, some of the more powerful and influential people. You know, the more powerful and influential you are or think you are, the more you believe you're above the practice and the law of the common man, and that's what leads you astray into temptations. That's what Balaam knew he was doing. He was attacking at the weakest point. Just an aside, how many of you ever wondered how your boss got there? Well, I mean, the princes of the congregation got there because they were born there not because they necessarily had all these great attributes. Remember, they were the sons and daughters of slaves. Many of them had endured slavery themselves in Egypt, and now in the 40 years, as that generation was dying off, we have these people who are, quote-unquote, princes among the congregation. Now, wait a minute. Where were you born? You are born in slavery in Egypt, and now you're a prince. That makes you automatically qualified to be a spiritual leader, right? No, Balaam knew where he was attacking. He knew whom he was attacking. And he knew that once you allowed pollution of your worship, that God wouldn't accept it. If you want to know why I harp and continually talk about, in a very negative way, contemporary Christian music, That's why. Because there are people taking the world's form of entertainment and putting Jesus' words to it. Doctrine of Balaam. Do you think these people do this by accident? Let me tell you, most professional musicians, and we're not talking about, um, you know, uh, people who just kinda, well, they had a good voice and they sang. No, we're talking about people who are recording artists. Let me tell you, you go to college and you study. And if you don't, somebody that has is manipulating you and making you into that person. Do you think the Backstreet Boys had any idea who they were or what they were doing? You've got to be kidding me. They were so dumb, they couldn't even start on the right side of the street. But you know what they had? They had a manager who knew, and he made them. And when people got tired of what he made, he threw them away and made somebody else. That's the way the world, that's the way Balaam works in the Christian setting. They do it on purpose. I remember sitting in the office of the head of the music department of my Bible college. And he looked at me very uh, fatherly. And, of course, he played the saxophone. I played the saxophone. I was really learning. In fact, the best part of what I still remember and things were because of what Dr. Boland taught me while I was a student uh, at Baptist Bible College but he sat down and tried to explain to me that music was a neutral medium through which messages are transmitted. That the music and the type of music had absolutely nothing to do that the only determining factor whether music was good or bad were the words. And I'll tell you what, I was shaking. I was sitting in my seat because I, I don't... You know, how am I as a a sophomore in Bible college is going to confront this guy that's got a Ph.D.? And I, I, I just looked at him and said, Dr. Boland, I don't believe that. And he started into this spiel about, you know, well, I could play some music and you would truly appreciate it, but it was a human sacrifice scene out of an opera. And I wanted to tell him, "Doc Boland, I despise opera. But that wasn't the point. Where I finally went was, Dr. Boland, I don't believe that. I never have, and by God's grace, I never will. But I can tell you, there are churches literally all over this country that have people that were trained by that man who have introduced contemporary music and moved their churches into the world. He was doing what he was doing on purpose. Doctrine of Balaam, I've known pastors who have gone into churches and changed the name of the church and changed the service type and changed the music and changed the Bible version they used and changed their associations. One of the big things today is this thing of interdenomin- interdenominalization. Uh, yeah, I think I said it halfway, right? Interdenominationalism. That's what I wanted to say. Listen, we don't need to break down barriers. What we need is to nail them up high. When Jesus comes to this church... He tells them, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. It didn't hit me until tonight. Just going over my notes and things. And so I put another line in the bulletin here. When we get down, repent or else... That's the reason there are empty buildings where true churches used to meet. That scared me. You see, it got to the point to when Jesus fought against those that were teaching false doctrine, those who were responsible for the doctrine of Balaam and later on the Nicolaitans in this passage, when they were fought against, when Jesus put a stop to them, there was nothing left of the church. It was gone. That has happened. Only Jesus knows how many times. Jesus isn't kidding when he says, I'm going to fight against them. We come to A day when it is okay for immorality in the church. We have preachers saying where it says husband of one wife, that means one at a time. No, it does not. Of course, it excludes polygamy. By the way, that's against the law in almost every civilized nation on the face of the earth. It's talking about living a life that is a testimony to God. And let me tell you, as your pastor, I ask for your prayers. We live in a wicked world. The stumbling blocks are there. They are constantly being thrown in the way. We need to watch for ourselves. We need to watch for others. Study Hebrews chapter 12. That's what the latter part of that chapter is all about is making the way for those that follow us in the faith easy to walk. And what Balaam wants to do is make it difficult. In the Nicolaitans, we went over that a couple weeks ago. It is things that God hates. Let me tell you what God hates. He hates divorce. Read the book of Malachi. He hates immorality. He hates division among the brethren. Read the book of Proverbs. These things happen in churches. There are churches that have folded up and died because of unforgiveness between two members in the church. By the way, what does the Bible say about unforgiveness? If you can't from your heart forgive, your Heavenly Father is not going to forgive you. How many are of you are glad tonight we go on record praising God for his forgiveness how many of you have taken advantage of that forgiveness today amen this week if you don't if we do not have God's forgiveness we cannot live you know what the Nicolaitan says it's okay God understands and you know what I like to say to that. Yes, he does. That's why there's Mount Calvary. Amen. Because he understands. That's why the books in heaven are there. You imagine God's library. Every sin you've ever sinned is written in those books. And if you're saved, every entry is blotted out, paid in full with the blood of Jesus. Amen. But the Nicolaitan makes allowance for that. These are things that God hates and He just brings them in. You know, maybe I just can't help it. Maybe... When you play down sin, you are despising holiness. I found out Uh, Some well-known radio guy wrote a book about 10, 15 years ago called Grace. And it said, you shouldn't go around telling people about their sin. God will tell them. And I remember reading this passage and it said, if God really wanted to convict somebody about the sin of smoking, he would do it himself. He doesn't need these preachers meddling in their lives and telling them. And I thought, wow, why would he do that? I just found out about six months ago that guy likes to smoke. Chuck Swindoll, in case you're wondering who it is. A pipe. Does that make it any better than a cigarette or a cigar or any of that other stuff? No, it's worldliness. Why would we want that in our life? It may be enjoyable. I don't know. By the way, I don't want to know. What I do want to know is Jesus. When he comes, I don't want to be on that list. Amen? He's fighting against them. In two minutes we'll be done. This is where the work is done. It is the word of God. We've got to present that. Years ago, somebody came up with a program for witnessing. It says, you must win them to yourself before you win them to Jesus. I I, I take exception to that. You must win them to this book, and then they'll believe in Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of them, guess what? He's not going to give them a choice about liking you. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit of God said, in 1 John, here's how you know that you love the children of God. Keep my commandments. You got a problem loving people? Keep God's commandments. And you'll love people, whether you want to or not. Amen? That one didn't get a very big amen. Amen? But that's how it's supposed to happen. We don't go get the emotions and then try to get the truth. That's the way the world does it. That's why it never works. We go get the truth and then God will supply the emotions. How many of you miss this place when you can't be here? Hey, guess what? God put some emotion in there. Is there any reason why you would want to put up with me for the rest of your life? I can't give you one, except for the Word of God. And that's what the hidden manna is. God will provide you what you need to serve Him. Maybe this illustration very quickly. If you ever saw a couple walking down the street, What in the world does that girl see in him? That's been said oftentimes to my wife. You know what? God put something special in there that unites two people in love. God put something special in there that will unite your heart to his word and to his truth and to a place where his truth is taught, local church. And by the way, how many of you remember Andrew's sermon out of the book of Joel? You see, when we turn our back on God, and just go through the motions, God will remove the very things that we need to worship Him. You wonder why churches dry up? I'm going to fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And there's nothing left. Has Jesus' church been prevailed against? No. That individual church succumbed. the doctrine of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. They allowed that which God hated, and they allowed the snakes, the surplanters, the purposeful deceivers to come in. We've got to fight against that. There's no premium on ignorance, but there's an awful lot of knowledge out there that you don't need. That hidden name that hidden manna. God is saying, I love my people who will be called by my name, who will be faithful to me. And how many of us have not needed correction? If you're saved, you need correction. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen? Because the tree of life is to every believer. Not to be hurt of the second death is a promise to every believer. Amen? To have God's hidden supply and His love, to have intimacy with the God of heaven, that is not an option, that is the right and the purpose of every believer. Amen? And that will be fully realized when we are assembled in one spot at the throne of God. Does that sound like a local church to you? Sounds like one to me. Somebody said, how many churches do you see in the Bible? I said, I only see one, local. I said, well, what about the church in Prospect, the church in heaven? I said, you've already answered it. It's in heaven. There's only one there. Amen. And I can't wait. Sometimes as a pastor, I wonder what it would be like to just sit out there for week after week. I haven't done that in many, many years. And I'm glad to be where I am. But I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to be one of the people sitting. Because Jesus will do all the teaching. Amen. And we won't worry about the clock and we won't be bored and we won't be all the things that we are here on earth. But he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches because if we're not listening, we'll end up like the church of Pergamos. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and we thank you that You're a forgiving God. We're thankful that You warn us of our sins and our failures. We're thankful for that hidden manna, that intimacy, that hidden name that You want to call us. Lord, we ask that You would help us in our study of the Scriptures not to venture after the fantastic or the imaginative, but Lord, that we would just simply obey Your Word We ask you to do your work in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, maybe you'd like to just take an opportunity and add some of your own. The altar is open.